And I think it's time for us to welcome our other Nauman. Nauman. Rose's husband, Dean. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite people, too, but I'm, I wouldn't say that right before he was teaching because that just weird him out, probably. <laughs> oh, sorry, did I say that right into the mic? <laughs> Thank you. Can I pray for you? Lord, thank you for Dean. Thank you for who he is and for the gifts that you've placed in him. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to him today more and more of this truth that he's been seeking after for us. I pray that he'd be blessed as he teaches and that we would be blessed as we listen. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us and through Dean. We ask in the name of Jesus that nothing would get in the way of that. And we thank you for your promise to lead us and guide us. Fill Dean on us today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Excellent. <clears throat> um, yeah, shalom. So keep that in mind. Shalom is Hebrew word often translated peace. And we'll get to that later, but we're not going start, to start with that. So, um, <laughs> excellent. I... Uh, I tend to be kind of a person who thinks about things a lot, and um, I don't know, this year I turned 50, so I've been thinking about life, and um, there's, you know, my life's not bad. I, I, um, I'm going to take a breath. You guys are all looking so good today. Um, no, I think, like, uh, the, in terms of the things you need for life, I got a pretty good life. Like I've got a house. I've got you know I've got shelter. I've got food. I've got children. People who love me. Really, things are pretty good. Um, but uh, there's there's also things that I worry about or I wonder about. Maybe not worry. I wonder about. And there are things like, you know, right now I've got a good job and I've got enough money. But I'm going to get older and it'll be harder to work and. Hmm, that could be a problem. And just, there's, uh, I have younger, I have adult children, and the world that they're entering is just so different than the world that, I, that I've lived in, in the sense that there's just so much less job stability than there used to be. It's kind of, it's pretty normal now to be working contract or part-time or several part-time jobs. The idea of, you know, you start a career, do it for your lifetime, and retire, that just isn't even a thing anymore. And if you live in the Lower Mainland, you're never going to own a house. That's just a thing. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not either, which disturbs me. I, I spend my life working on people's houses, and I think, you know, it'd be nice to maybe work on my own one day. But that probably won't happen. And there just seems to be more and more a separation between the rich and the poor. 
and the, or not even the rich and the poor, even the rich and the middle class, less and less middle class. There's more and more people that are, are less, there's more of a divide. More of the wealth is controlled by less people than when I was younger. So things aren't totally rosy. And then you have the whole um, climate change and just all the, the gloom and doom and the... I grew up with watching David Suzuki, Nature of Things, and that's like 30 years ago. He's been saying the same thing for <laughs> 30 years. So this isn't new to me, but it's just heightened the, the uh, of how bad things are and how bad they probably will get. Um, so there's definitely um, darkness and immorality. Uh, just society is changing. Rose and I just watched this uh, documentary on, on music in the 80s, which was really fun because both of us listened to that music a lot. And it was the beginning of uh, music videos. And you watch them and the things that seemed so racy and so out there in the 80s are so tame compared to what's out there now. And I, I, I mean, I've, I talked to my, my children and just the, the, the immorality, the, I don't know, sexuality has become like a human need. It's just, you want sex, you go have sex. It doesn't matter who you're with. It's, and there's, there doesn't seem to be any pride of doing things right. It's more, there seems to be much more of a sense of people just trying to do what they get, get away with. And that seems to be growing in our society, and that's really disturbing. And that, and it's not very Christian, our society. Um, when, when I grew up, I mean, surely, as a kid, not everyone was Christian, but everyone knew about Christianity. There was a lot more, it, it was a lot more behind society's norms. And now it seems to be, it's just a, most people don't even know what's in the Bible or what the point is. Um, I listen to CBC Radio, which is really interesting often, and they interviewed Christia Freeland, who is the new Deputy Prime Minister and the former Minister of Foreign Affairs, and one of her tasks is to try to bring unity to Canada, because I don't know if you know the last election, there's a lot there's a lot less unity than there has been. The Bloc Québécois got a lot of votes, and they're kind of uh, an independence party. And then um, Alberta and Saskatchewan are very much trying to head a different direction than most of the rest of Canada. So her job's to try to bring all that together. Good luck. Um, one of the things she said, though, which really struck me, she said the current amount, this is probably a wrong quote, but this was the idea. The current amount of global instability is greatest that it's been since World War II. And just think about that for a second. Like that's worldwide. And this is someone who knows what's going on in the world. And she's saying there's the potential for revolution, for wars, is the greatest that it's been since World War II. That should make us pause for a moment. 
So this isn't the shalom part of the sermon. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> it gets better than this. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> um, and we're reading from Isaiah today. If you remember Israel's history, um, they, after they became a nation, they, they split into, after, I don't know, a few hundred years, into Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So that's the setting of the book of Isaiah. Um, the book of Isaiah is real long. It's not like Haggai or something. I'm sure you've realized this. But it also covers a long time period. So the setting changes, like the background. And he's always speaking to Judah, but um, the situation changes along the way. And uh, we're going to be reading in the very last part of Isaiah. And Israel, the northern kingdom, has already been taken over by the Assyrians. And Judah has kind of made this uneasy truce with Assyria. But... Uh, it's definitely a, an uncomfortable time of a lack of stability. And, and both Israel and Judah had become God-following, kind of, but also followed a lot of other religions. So it sounds a lot, really, like the world that we're living in, where there's, you know, things are okay at the moment, but there's kind of this there's storm clouds in the distance where you think, uh, I don't know how long this will be great. Yeah. And the other thing, um, we've, this is the third sermon in a series on prophetic imagination, which when I first heard the term, which was this year, <laughs> I was like, what is, I don't even know what that is. But what's cool about um, actually, I don't want to start. I want to start with this. This is a quote from Walter Brueggemann um, that I'll read to you. In the Bible and the histories linked to the biblical texts, imagination is more than wishful thinking and other than momentary escape. In Scripture, imagination is generative, perceiving reality differently from the dominant perception and inspiring behavior accordingly. So, there's imagination, and um, you think of, like children, children are very imaginative usually, so, you know, imaginary friends, or your dolls talking to you, or things like that, and that's not prophetic, usually. <laughs> prophetic imagination is more God speaking through the prophet about a reality that exists, we just don't see it. So it's, it has a, a weight to it. It's not just imagine. It is actually reality that just hasn't really come into being yet. And it's very important. We've, we have been seeing how important it is when things look bleak or when things are difficult that we we tend to not see beyond what we're in. So prophetic imagination speaks into that and helps us to, to get out of it and to move through it. 
So Isaiah 65 is today's passage. 1 to 17 is the part that comes just before the part that we're going to look at. And this part of Isaiah is uh, God speaking through Isaiah to Judah. And this is just a summary of 1 to 17. God says, I have chosen you, um, but you have turned from me. And those who have turned from me will be judged and suffer consequences. But those who have not turned away from me will be blessed. So what follows is the blessing. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So Isaiah 65, 17 to 25. And I'll read it to you. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So that's nice. That's a good promise. That's way better than the beginning of this sermon. So God here is promising a future restoration of everything. Um, And that's where we get into shalom. Shalom is one of those awesome words that's just real hard to translate. It's usually translated peace, but it's... A much larger word than that. It's this idea where everything is as it should be. Everything is in right order. Everything is in right relationship. Um, Kind of the idea of the Garden of Eden, the beginning of creation before sin came into the world, where everything was just right. So that's what Isaiah is talking about here. This is a picture of shalom and what it will be like. So, to go through the passage quickly, there will be joy and delight. There will be no longer suffering and death, but long life and health. Secure homes and food and work with meaning and purpose. I I thought it was interesting that work was in there. Work with meaning and purpose. We're meant to be doing things. 
but are the things that we do are meant to be purposeful. Right relationship with God. God is close to them, close to us. And right relationship in nature, where the wolf and the lamb will feed together. So that's pretty cool, too. Yes. Which makes you wonder things like, is animals eating other animals, is that an effect of the fall and of sin? I don't know. I like the taste of meat myself, but... So God's promise of shalom, this is just a picture of shalom. And this is poetry. Um, I think imagination often is, goes beyond just prose, though it can be, it, into poetry, art, music, languages that show us a bigger world. Um, right now I'm reading Ulysses by James Joyce, and I gotta say, hardest book I've ever read in my life. Half the time I don't even know what's going on. It's poetry, <laughs> and it's very, it's a train of thought poetry. It's so bizarre, it's such an interesting thing. It, it, it goes between, wow, this is really interesting, to wow, this is really frustrating. So you should try it sometime if you want. If you're, if you're, you know, if you like picture books, this would be something completely different. <laughs> anyway, Hebrew poetry. I, t I did a lot of Hebrew when I went to Regent, and um, this isn't poetry. Almost all of Isaiah is, is poetry, and a lot of the Bible is poetry. And it's, if you're reading poetry, you should try to read it like poetry. It's not prose. So it's good to recognize it. So if you look on the page and it's kind of all indented, it's poetry. Um, and Hebrew poetry is generally pretty simple in that it's either two or three lines that are related to each other. And they either complete a thought or they restate a thought. And it's really common in that to have word pairs, um, none of which I can remember at the moment. So I'll give you an example. This is verse 19. I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. So you have two lines. They're basically saying the same thing, just the second one is expanding on the first a little. And rejoice and delight are kind of this word pair where they're related and they carry the same thought. So that's just a bit of an aside. How to read Hebrew poetry. That's for free. We'll go back to the text now. Um, so God is speaking to Judah and to us through the prophetic imagination of Isaiah here. And like I said before, these are things that are real. Um, it's not just hopeful. It's not just, oh, I hope that things will get better. It's this will happen. These are true promises. The weight of God is behind, behind them the true alternative facts, if you will. And really interestingly, um, there's a lot of similarities between this and the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is, has, was written to um, churches who were in a time of crisis, in a time of opposition. So things were getting worse. And 
in the book of Revelation, you see a judgment, but then the book ends with um, the renewed heaven and earth in chapters 21 and 22. And it's a very similar picture that we see here. And it's real interesting, if you're the kind of person who likes literature, that the Bible starts with Eden and creation and shalom, and it ends with the same. So all that's in between is kind of sin, the effects of sin, and people reaching shalom again. But of course, we're not living this, right? Um, there's a sense of this is God's promises, and we see glimpses of it, and some, some of it we live. I'm getting ahead of myself. So that we're speaking of Christ the King, this, that's this Sunday, and there's a sense where God's kingdom has come. God, Jesus was on earth, the Holy Spirit was given, we have the Holy Spirit, and God is with us, and there's aspects of God's kingdom that we live out every day. But there's also these promises where it hasn't happened yet. So God's kingdom has come, but God's kingdom is also coming. And so this, the, the technical theological term for this is the already not yet, which isn't very technical. Yeah, so, and that's kind of part of the, part, if you're the kind of person that likes things to be clear, life is just real hard, because things so often aren't. And God's promises, even personal promises that he's made to me or you or in the Bible, they often don't work out the way we think they should or in our timing but that doesn't make them less real. There's just a messiness and a mystery about life, and God seems to be here or absent. There's all this already not yet, all the time. We talked about that. So, so when we're in a difficult situation and when things are hard, we have a very... We have a tendency to focus just on the problems. We have a tendency to narrow our focus, and it's hard to see beyond um, what we're in. And that's really what the prophetic imagination is about, because it helps to give us a focus, and it helps us to see a larger world than our problems. And that encourages us and helps us to move on. Uh, Luke twelve twenty nine. Do not be concerned about what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the Gentiles of the world strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. I just think of how much of my life is about worrying about the things I need, or the things of this world, or... Um, Am I going to have enough money? Or, you know, the, it, this is very hard to do. Focus on the kingdom of God 
and focus on God in the midst of problems. So this promise of shalom, this promises of God, of everything being right, of, of rightness and goodness, is what we're after. And this is what is our foundation, and it is, it is, um, it's our future. It's something that we, we look forward to and try to live in as much as we can. And ultimately, nothing can shake us since we're secure in the promises of God. Right? Yes. <laughs> Romans 8, 38. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. A fabulous, comforting verse that nothing will separate us. There's, it doesn't matter how bad things get. We'll always be with Christ. And I, I've quote, I've, this, this, I've, uh, I've preached this so many times. Nothing can shake us since we're secure in the promises of God. It, that's really hard to live. I, um, I find myself often discouraged and not, and being bothered by a lot of things. So I'm just, just saying to you, you know, it's easy to say, hard to do. So good luck. God's with you in the midst of it, though. And we are rooted in this vision of God's shalom that is our inheritance. It is more real than any of the troubles we currently face. Really hard to grasp that, but there's the sense where it's, it's, it's so tangible and real, but we can't quite get to it. And we here in the vineyard believe God still speaks to us, which is cool. So God did not just speak to the prophets in the Bible. God also speaks to us. And so there's, when we're talking about prophetic imagination, we're not just talking about scripture. We're talking about God speaking to all of us. And we can hear God speaking to us, and he will give us pictures of a future or words or if we take the time to still ourselves and listen. And that's what helps us get beyond just surviving and into into thriving. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um Shalom is what it's about. It's about God's peace. It's about um, the reality of God's shalom in the midst of our troubles and, and turning to look at that when things are hard. So I'm going to read a prayer to you. Prayer, prayer with you would be better. This is by John Calvin. So let's pray. Grant, Almighty God, since we have already entered in hope upon the threshold of our eternal inheritance, and know that there is a mansion for heaven, 
a mansion for us in heaven, since Christ, our head and the first fruits, first fruits of our salvation, has been received there. Grant that we may proceed more and more in the way of your holy calling until at length we reach the goal and so enjoy the eternal glory of which you have given us a taste in this world by the same Christ our Lord. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us in the difficulties of life, in the often narrowness of our focus, that you would speak into that, that your prophetic words would show us a larger world that is just as real as the one we're in and help us to live in that world. Amen. And then I've given you a couple things to reflect on. And I think I, I think this passage is a really great one to spend some time on, to um, just sit down with it and, and read it slowly and think about it and see the poetry. And yeah, these, these are in your bulletin too, these two questions. Okay. Our prophetic imagination has been stirred. There's a few people that have a sense of a response to this, so we'll let Dean's lovely wife share her thoughts about that first. Thanks, Dean. Um, I, I saw Joshua and going into the promised land and everyone around him you know, they, they saw the giants, and that's all they could see. And Joshua and Caleb said, came back, and they could see the grapes. And there was one other thing I can't remember right now. And uh, what I saw is that I don't usually see things for very specific people, maybe one person. But I saw this is for Roland, and this is for Dan and Kirsten. This is for Sarah. This is for Kim and Scott that this is for Colleen, for Mark and Lynn, that is really hanging heavy over that back two pews, and it's for you too, yes, and you too, that I really saw it very strongly, that, um, that you guys are facing, um, I, I saw maybe like future work-related, kind of having to make decision things. Gloria, I really see it on you right now, that um, there are things that you're facing, and there's those around you or you're in your flesh. You're only seeing that unbelievable, chaotic, giant thing that's saying, I can't do this. How is this possible? Or people around you saying, no, it's not time. And God says, fear not, for the Lord thy God is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed is what his word says, and you're to walk in that promise, and you're to walk believing that those grapes are there, that God has a way for you through the giants in your present and future situation, that there is a reality that's rooted and established in God, and nothing can change that. Kirsten, I'm wondering if you feel like that word connects to, was this from, yeah. 
because Kirsten was just asking about the idea of sharing about this piece, a work-related prayer request, and it has to do with some pretty massive giants. And uh, I just wondered about how that word connects about not just seeing the giants, but yeah. Um, Mark, can you turn off the podcast right now? Yeah, sorry. No, wait. You can turn the mic on, thank you. So just a, a word, uh, I felt a word for artists today. Uh, the prophetic imagination really needs the arts to, arts are subversive in a society that is, that is very anti-God and resistant to traditional communication of truth. The arts are really critical. So we heard today about music, we heard about uh, poetry. Um, uh, I'm thinking of painting, I'm thinking of, of uh, drama, plays. In the last two weeks, Kathleen and I have seen plays written by uh, Christians that are being played in the, in the broader community, and there's a subversiveness about them that disarms people and opens them up to truth in a way. And so we saw Bree's play last week that she directed over at the Havana. It was awesome. We voted for you, by the way. And... Um, um, we saw another play written by Lee Banbury that he wants to take up to Lower Post, Francis. Very powerful little play. But again, it's subversive. And, and it, it, it's done in a way that introduces society because in some ways, as you hear about the truth and reconciliation in residential school, people get hardened after a while. They go, ah, yeah, let's get on with it. And it's a beautiful play for coming back in again and just saying, hey, we got to keep working on this, this healing. So... I just feel that God wants to encourage you, some of you that are in pursuing the arts. There are giants, those same giants that Rose talked about with some of these career things. I think for the artists, it's a real challenge because the enemy knows how powerful it is for that prophetic imagination, feeding that prophetic imagination and showing an alternate reality that our world needs to see. So I'd love to pray for some of you. And I'd like to pray for Joanna and Wade. I don't know if Wade's here. But I think that with their ending of their season last night with YWAM, I think we need to bless them into this new season as well. They're part of our church and congregation. So, man, we're going to need a lot. We're going to need a lot of prayer people today. There's a lot of stuff to pray for. And, uh, oh, some more. Is there some more? Some more things? <laughs> okay. All right. When, when Dean, thanks so much, Dean. It's such, you always have such a wonderful, clear teaching, and I always benefit so much from it. And I, I have takeaway when he, he's so clear. But I just had a very vivid reminder by the Holy Spirit that God is on the move to do restoration here in this building. And we just had a chance to meet another Anglican guy and just happened to be, yeah, a new building manager. And, um, you know, like I've talked to Dan about this before, uh, about the organ, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit re really is, is in birth pangs to bring about the restoration of this building. This building used to be a community place where they had uh, groups coming to do choir rehearsals. They had people that came and had movie nights on social justice issues. They had the girl guides in here. They had, you know, we've had the girl guides in we still have the girl guides. Ooh, ooh, where's Lynn? But uh, the garden, when you were talking about the garden, and, 
and that Chloe's coming on board, Pontelty, to come and help us do the whole thing about recycling and greening. So I just feel like we should we should hang in there, and we should like this next little bit. I'm I'm just going to quit my job for Saturday. I hope I I'm saying this, Lord, and there will be someone to take my place. They always tell me that there's no one to take my place, but I don't believe it anymore. <laughs> but just to come here and have the building brought into like Will's been working hard on the pews. I told him the other day I got a giant sliver in my rear end, and he's been, down, he's been in here doing something that will prevent that from happening ever again. Yes, we know all about it, Bill. But, but these are things that I can just see this building coming alive. I know that we don't talk about buildings being the church. But, Sandra, let's get the painting going. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray for her. And... And I just think restoration is a real thing. Bree, I'm just praying that your drama and it's going to be more than just with a handful of people. That was amazing what you did the other day at the Havana in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Joanna was going to do the benediction, but she's gone to get weighed because we're going to pray for them. So just kind of pray and, and let's let this be a time of prayer and ministry if you'd like to uh, Respond to some of these words that have come and just receive further prayer. I encourage you to. There's just something about following up a word that you received and and, uh, and and not just say, well, that's good, that's nice, and walk out. But something about watering it with prayer is really important. So let's stand together if you can. Thank you, Lord, for this encouragement we've received today. Thank you for... Dean's word, for speaking so powerfully through him. And, and we just ask that you would stir up that prophetic imagination in us. And to live every day in this already not reality, knowing that the, the kingdom of God has come. Which is not just meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I bless you to walk in that today in the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. So Wade and Joe are going to come up, get some prayer. If you need prayer, come. Let's help pray, gather around.